7.45 on a Saturday. Time for a wine chat with Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. Hi there, Denny. How are you today? I'm doing quite well. I, uh, every time we talk, it seems like it's rather chilly and snowy, uh, <laughs> although it won't be real chilly. Temperatures are moderating in spite of the snow and ice and rain. We'll a be lot getting. more snow coming. Yes, but I think we'll just be able to do it. Yes, just what we need, just what you requested. Well, what can we uh, talk today about today? I thought I would finally get around. I've got all these questions I get from people who listen to us, and I haven't answered questions in a long time, so I thought I would rank them and answer them in the order. The most common question I get is, what's the best temperature to serve wine at? Well, this will surprise a lot of people because you're all serving your red wine too warm. Room temperature was a word and a coin when there wasn't such a thing as central heat. And the average temperature of a room was between 50 and 65 degrees. That's what red wine should be served at. No higher than 65 degrees. could be even a little lower. So uh, if you have a, a wine cave or some storage facility, when you pull the wine out of that, it's the perfect wine uh, temperature to store it if you set it on the counter for a few minutes. And then what about white and rosé wine? Well, they should be served at about 55 degrees. And champagne should be served the coldest sparkling wine, 45 degrees. So think of that, 65, 55, 45. Red, white, rosé, and champagne. And that's the best temperature to serve them at. If you're in a pinch and you need to chill a bottle of wine, the best way to do that is get a bucket, fill it with ice, and then fill it with water. A wine bottle set in ice, just the ice alone, will take forever to chill that wine bottle. If you put a little water in enough to immerse the bottle and be surrounded, you've given that ice a way to carry the by putting in the water, you've given a way to transmit that chill of the ice to the bottle. And generally, you can get a bottle of wine chilled down, white wine chilled down to the right temperature in about 12 minutes, if even that, sometimes 10 minutes. If it'll, But remember to immerse it in water. Ice alone just doesn't work very well. Another question I have is what is the best process for tasting wine? Well, there's only one. It's five steps. Color, aroma, bouquet, taste, and aftertaste. <coughs> Excuse me. Color is when you look at the wine, if it's clear. doesn't make any difference what color it is. You know, rosé wines can run from a pale onion skin to almost a dark red, and red wines can run from a very light red to almost uh, uh, black. But anyhow, if you look at the color and there's no cloudiness in it, then it's okay. The next thing is aroma. And aroma has to do with does it smell like wine. If it does, that that's number two is taken care of. Bouquet gets a little more complicated. That's where you're looking at, is it uh, Zinfandel or is it Cabernet or is it Merlot, etc. And you determine that in the bouquet. Then the third uh, or the, excuse me, the fourth thing is taste, and that's when you taste it in your mouth, swish it around a little bit, let your tongue, which only can perceive four things, salt, bitter, sweet, and sour, and while your nose can determine 50, 60,000 different things, it's amazing. And the last thing is the aftertaste. Does it leave a pleasant taste in your mouth? And if all those are in sync, whether you grade a wine on 10 points, 20 points, 100 points, or three points, 
it's all those five basic things. I'll repeat them again. It's color, aroma, bouquet, taste, and aftertaste. And that's why you see people swill wine around in a glass or, slur- or even slurp it in their mouth. You don't obviously do that every time you take a sip of wine. But a lot of professionals do that when they're first tasting wine. And the reason for that is to aerate the wine in your mouth. The most, As you can see on my little chart here of five, Two of the five have to do with the olfactory sense, smelling it, the aroma and the bouquet. And that they're probably the most important. They're usually weighted more heavily than the others when you're uh, grading a wine. And like I say, if all five are in sync, the wine is fine, whether you're going to, uh, as I said, give it 20 points, 10 points, or 100 points. Those are the five bases, and that's all you have to know are those five things to evaluate a wine. What about naming wine? Well, wine gets its name from a lot of different things. Uh, geography is one, and that's very important. Varietals are another. And then lastly, fantasy. Fantasy is like leaf brown milk. Leaf brown milk literally term, uh, translates virgin mother's milk. Now, as you know, that's pretty hard to be a virgin and be, have milk. Uh, but the point is, it was the vineyards that got the original name Leaf Brown Milk were in Germany and right next to the Church of Our Lady. The vineyards abutted the church. And everyone would say, how come your wine is so much better? He said, it's because of my Leaf Brown Milk, the milk of the virgin, meaning the virgin blessed his vineyards, etc. Another cute story is the wine from Italy called Est Est Est. Seems a medieval bishop was called back to Rome, and being a prince at the time, he sent one of his servants ahead to mark uh, where the best food and wine was. And he was to mark in chalk on the post by the inn or something, Est, if this was it. Uh, At any rate, in this little town in Italy, he marked Est, Est, Est. Three S because it was so good, and thus the wine has that name. Another interesting one is a German Berncastler doctor. Why do they call it doctor? Because in medieval times, it cured someone of some malady that they thought was incurable, so they named the wine doctor. So it used to be the geographic thing was uh, more prevalent in Europe, and the varietals were more prevalent in the New World. Today, that's gone all Cali Winter. People are labeling geographically in the New World, and they're labeling varietals in the Old World, etc. But those are where uh, the wines come from, those three things, varietal, places, and fantasy. How long should I keep a bottle of wine? Well, that depends on a lot of things. Most wines are meant to be drunk fairly young. <laughs> in fact, uh, people ask me about vintage. Vintage isn't that important. It, it is when we're talking about a very select part of wine. But about 95% of the wines produced throughout the entire world are drunk the year they're made or within two years of when they're made. And so when you're talking about vintage wines, we're talking about wines that are a small percentage of that. And frankly, all wine doesn't take aging very well. They have to be big wines like Cabernet Sauvignon or Cabernet Franc, uh, big uh, uh, Syrah, uh, those kind of varietals and specific 
geographic areas of the world produce wines that age very well. But most wine, when I, someone calls me up, I've got a bottle of <clears throat> 1955XYZ, and, I, and they think they have discovered in Grandpa's cellar a treasure, and the, the problem is that 55 wine should have been drunk by 60, and today is nothing but uh, just uh, faded memories. So it, wines don't really uh, generally age that well. When we're talking about aging wines, it's only a few, and that's when you use a vintage, when you're only talking about favorites. Another, what's my favorite wine? The one that's in the glass at the moment. That's my favorite wine. How come they make wine differently in Europe and save the best for home consumption? That's not true. Any winery throughout the world that's worth its salt exports their best wine. Maybe the owner keeps some bottles for himself, but very few. They keep a bibliotheque or a wine library where they keep vintages of all vintages. Maybe they sell four or five cases of every single vintage in different sizes, etc. But the wines are made for export. I always get, get a story. You know, I was in France. I had ordered a local pichette of wine, in other words, a little pitcher, a carafe of wine, and it was the best wine I ever tasted in my whole life. Why can't I get that here? Well, you can get it here. I submit that you were, say, in Paris, you were on the Champs-Élysées. You were with somebody you loved or thought you loved for the moment. You were having an omelet as only the French can make it creamy and wonderful. And you had this wine there, and it tasted wonderful. Yes, of course it did. I submit that that same wine in the harsh fluorescent light of your kitchen with your significant other in a bad mood is not going to evoke those kind of memories. And that you're, what you're drinking in at the time is the wine, the experience, and, and whining and dining is all about experience. Uh, uh, you're just remembering it as being super wine. Believe me, it really wasn't. And then, what do I do with the leftover wine from dinner? Well, there's a lot of things you can do with it. There's something called a vacuum which is a little pump, and it comes with uh, rubber gaskets, and you can put one of these rubber gaskets in the top of the wine bottle and pump all the air out, and then the wine will last longer. Or you can put the wine in a smaller bottle or smaller container. The air is the natural enemy of wine, and warm air, like is in your house, uh, actually accelerates the deterioration of wine. So if you've got some wine left over, it's best to Put it without much oxygen or as much little air as you can in the thing by using a smaller bottle or the vacuum vent to pump it out or some uh, thing like that. And then put it in the refrigerator. And generally in the last couple days, uh, wine begins to deteriorate in the air. As a matter of fact, when it opens up and you're tasting a wine and it's like a flower opening up at the table, it's a wonderful thing. But uh, as I said, it deteriorates because that air eventually will turn it to vinegar. And vinegar means sour wine. Vin, wine, agar, sour. Vinegar is sour wine. So and a lot of people start a vinegar, you have to start it with regular vinegar or vinegar mother, and your leftover wine put in it, you have wonderful uh, wine vinegar to use in salad dressings and cooking, etc. And that's a very handy thing to do. Uh how does wine get its buttery taste? Well, that comes from two things, the yolk 
and lactic acid. And usually, when we're talking buttery wines, we're talking white wines. And because of malolactic fermentation, you get that lactic acid in there, and that has a buttery taste. You can also get that same buttery taste from toasted oak, and that's where it comes from. It isn't the grapes or anything like that. Uh, why does a restaurant waiter hand me a cork? I get that question a lot, and I'm going to tell you right now, you will know more than any Somalia. They give you the cork to authenticate the wine. Not because you can tell. The wine have to be absolutely horrible for the cork to smell so bad that you wouldn't try it. So you try the wine and it gives you the cork. If you look at the cork, it should have the vintage and the name of the vineyard if it's a good wine. And that's the reason you're given the cork. <laughs> I mean, we could go on and on. But I was thinking about, time. thinking about your, the wine will taste just as good even with a significant other in a bad mood. We're all laughing at that one here. <laughs> Say, tell us about the, all the good service and good wines you will find and good help from any Haskells. The Haskells folks love to talk about wine. They love to answer your questions on wine. And best of all, they love to pair wine with whatever you're going to fix. And believe me, they're very, very good at that. We specialize at Haskell's in pairing wine with food. There's a Haskell's near you where you can get that pairing wine at very good prices. All day Saturday and half a day Sunday from 11 to 6 on Sundays. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. Haskell's in Bloomington, Excelsior, Haskell's in Faribault. Our Maple Grove Supercellar is not to be missed. In downtown Minneapolis, we have free parking both on Saturday and on Sunday. Minnetonka, and incidentally, at Minnetonka is one of the best places in the country to store your wine. We have a fabulous wine storage facility at Minnetonka. Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com. It'll take you right to the Haskell's website. And don't forget, Haskell's does deliver, and they even deliver in a snowstorm. Absolutely. <laughs> so like the Postal Service, absolutely. Amen. Jack, let's Except talk about... The, the Postal Service <laughs> shut down on their last How about that? But not Haskell's. I've never heard of that. No, <laughs> Haskell's was wide open. Let's talk next week, Jack. I'm going to look forward to it. Thanks a lot, Jack Farrell from Haskell's.